What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Video Gamers Podcast. We are here on Thursdays to break down recent gaming news over the last week. Today, we have some topics to cover, including Pal World, Dragon's Dogma 2, Avowed, Skull and Bones, and also a little bit of sad news about Blizzard's survival game that started in development six years ago. I am your host, Paul, and joining me, he's got his Ubisoft Plus subscription running. He's counting down the days to play Skull and Bones. It's Josh. <laughs> Jokes on you, Paul, because guess what I literally did earlier today? Did you finally cancel I it? I canceled my subscription before <laughs> oh, I got charged I another month. <laughs> I can't make fun of you for it anymore. No? I'm, a, I'm a little sad. <laughs> no, we still also, can. Skull still and bones, can. guys, right? <laughs> right? Crickets? Right? Right? Crickets? What? Uh, what? <laughs> <laughs> All right. And then joining Josh and me, he is dreaming about future plans to Pal World where he can PvP and kill raid bosses. It's Ryan. Oh, oh, hold on. PvP? You mean PvP. I can burn? You mean I can burn other people with 40 campfires? <laughs> Oh, that would be really funny. All right. So before we jump into this week in gaming, we do have a couple of Patreon supporters to thank. We want to give a very special thank you to the Kachow Kid, who signed up with Rare Status, and Panda Bear Music, who signed up with Epic Status. So we really wanted to say thank you to both of you guys. I know we've said it on the show many times. We are able to do what we do because of support on Patreon, and we really appreciate the fact that both of you signed up. Yes, thank you for bringing joy to the world, for bringing our amazing, smooth, buttery voices to the masses of planet <laughs> is Earth. Is that what we have? Yeah. <laughs> I will say Kachow Kid is super active on Discord, too. Uh, yes. And anyone else, if you're not on there, hop on the Discord, totally free. Um, awesome community. Lots of people get on there. Lots of cool games, conversations to be had. It's, it's just a great time. Absolutely. So for our listeners out there, if you want to support what we do and sign up on Patreon as well, you can check that out at MultiplayerSquad.com. You'll get a shout out on the show. You get all the episodes ad free a day early. You get bonus Squadcast episodes. We really do try to make it worth your money. All right, moving on. We have to talk once again about Pal World. I mean, I know this has been a lot of Pal World content <laughs> lately, but this is, you know, the biggest news story of the year so far. Guys, I have a little PC Gamer article here that I want to read the headlight from. Pal World players channel their inner hunter-gatherers to fell a giant mammoth by herding it into campfires. Devs call it genius. Whoa. Guys, that's a news article about us. What? Whoa! <laughs> what? Somebody called us geniuses? Are you yeah, sure you read that sure right? did. Are you sure They've you never read heard that the show right? <laughs> you sure about that? You sure about that? <laughs> you sure about that? Oh, what a what a fun week, man. We had that tweet go viral. It got picked up by a bunch of news organizations. Very surreal to have people on Discord be like, did you guys see this? And it'll be like a news story about us. But oh, man, so much fun. Um, hard to believe that. Yeah, that video got 1.6 million views. Even just the other night, Josh and I were hanging out with some friends for game night, and one of our buddies had heard about our video and didn't realize it was yes, us. That was oh, wow. really hilarious yeah. to be like, he was like, wait a minute, that was you guys? And we were like, yeah. <laughs> yep, that was us. He's like, yeah, I heard like running around with a mammoth running over campfires. And we're like, yep, that was our video. Oh, too funny. All right. So the real news story about Pal World, though, is that they did release a roadmap for early access development. So their immediate plan is to focus on fixing bugs, 
key configuration improvements and improvements to PAL AI and pathing. Down the road, they plan to add PvP, endgame raid bosses, a PAL arena, and also new islands, PALs, bosses, and technologies. Um, I would imagine their key focus right now is to dodge lawsuits from <laughs> Nintendo that we know are being, you know, probably lobbed their way. But I was curious to hear your guys' take about this roadmap. You know, I, I it seems to have some fun stuff down the road. Yeah, I, I agree. I think there's some cool things ahead. Um, I know some of the critical things that they tried to fix. I never really experienced. I didn't have any issues with the rollbacks or um, any of that stuff. I know that we would have, and I know Josh would always be like, make sure there's not a guy up there on the hill, you know, because we'd, why is this guy <laughs> starving? Why is eyes bloodshot? You know? <laughs> so uh, there was a few just hiccups, but other than that, for me, the game ran smooth, and it's cool to see them kind of, uh, you know, advancing to other things they're going to do to dial it in, you know, and make it just even better. It's always interesting to me when you have a game that comes out in early access that is fairly feature complete, like Pal World. Um, Pal World is not a game where I dive into and I go, oh, this is super early access. Like the game for us ran well. There was plenty of content to do. There were a few areas where you could tell like, okay, there's definitely more that they have in mind here, but you know, this reminds me of like Satisfactory when we played that, where it was like, this is a pretty complete game. V Rising was technically early access when we played that. And again, feature complete for the most part, you know, those sorts of things. I, I like seeing the path forward for this game. I you know, personally, I think I'm done with Power World at this point. Uh, you know, my gamer ADD has kicked in. I've got some other things on the horizon. I know we're all super pumped for Helldivers 2 coming out. But there are people that are picking up Power World right now and discovering like the joys of that game. My daughter, who does not play anything besides Roblox and Minecraft and Genshin Impact, eventually broke down and picked up Pal World, and it is her favorite game that she has played in years. I, I mean, oh, I can't tell wow. you how often she comes down and tells me that she just caught some super cool guy or, you know, she's like, Dad, you know the, the fire dragon uh, van worm things? And I'm like, yeah, she's like, I got a crystal one. And I'm like, wait, that exists? You know, so she's <laughs> teaching me things about Pal World at this point that I had no idea about. So it's like, I definitely understand the mindset that maybe people are starting to get tired of hearing about Power World all the time. But again, our job is to put news in front of you and kind of catch you up on things. And so the news here is that they're not, it doesn't look like they're going to just sit back and rest on their laurels and just swim in their piles of cash like Scrooge McDuck would. You know, they, they do have plans for the future of this game. I like the idea of PvP. I like the idea of a pal arena where you can let your pals fight it out and stuff like that as well. Um, I like the idea of endgame raid bosses. I kind of assume that's what the towers were, but maybe not at that point. But it is interesting to just kind of say or, or to see, hey, game is doing great. We love that everybody's having fun, but we do have plans for this early access and we're going to keep working on it for now. For now, until the lawyers For show now. up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Josh is done playing Pal World. What about you, Ryan? Are you still planning to play or are you kind of done at this point? Um, I don't know how I still do have a draw to go back and check on our base and do the things that, you know, I was doing before as far as maintenance and, and kind of advancing in the game. But I, I, I 
we have a lot of stuff coming up. Um, so I'm kind of on the fence. If I if you guys hit me up, I would 100% get on. Ace hits me up. Hey, let's go play some Power World. But uh, other than that, I'm probably not as like gung-ho as I was maybe a week and a half ago. Yeah, I think I'm done with it as well. I enjoyed my time playing. I think there's a couple reasons why I might be done. First of all, you guys just really outpaced me in leveling to where I have not built a single like <laughs> crafting station in ages. So for me, it's kind of like, well, you guys have already kind of done most of the progression. So now do I just ask you to make me certain weapons like that? I don't know. I kind of feel like I kind of got a little bit out leveled and we just have to cover so much stuff for the show. So I think if the show didn't exist, I'd probably still be dabbling in it. I don't know that I would return to it based on the roadmap. There's still so much we could do now, like finishing the syndicate towers. Uh, but yeah, I think I might be done with pal world, but man, it was a really fun week of jumping in that game yeah. and really oh, yeah. just playing nothing else. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's not experience. any shade towards pal world itself. I, I mean, again, I love the idea that people are going to get a hundred hours worth of enjoyment out of this. Honestly, my daughter is probably one of those people. I mean, there's not an end in sight for her right now. And, you know, she's been playing a lot. Um, it's just more, like you said, Paul, our schedule with covering games and needing to kind of know what's coming up and what we're going to cover and talk about and things like that. It just generally, you know, puts a kibosh on how how far we can dig into certain games. You know, I don't know that I would stick with Power World like solo if it wasn't for that either. But again, I, I mean, I feel like I got my money's worth out of that game. I had a lot of fun with it. Oh, yeah. You know, and and Paul, I get the left behind. I literally just had that conversation because my daughter is playing with her cousin and she is able to hop on a little bit more than he is. And I told her, I said, you need to be careful because if you leave him behind, it's going to make it harder for him to play. And it's one of those things where we have seen this repeatedly when we were playing Rust a lot. We had a couple of friends jump into Rust and we're like, here's an AK, here's armor, like come raid the space. And they're just going <laughs> yeah. like, I don't know what I'm doing and I don't have the investment. I didn't spend the time it's to not get earned. here. Right, exactly. And so that really does matter for people when it's something where you started off and you built this with your own two hands with somebody else versus I I'm... 30 hours in and now I want you to join me and it's just so much harder for somebody to dive in at that point. Yeah, for sure. Any kind of game with survival and progression like that, it, it's I, re I remember in World of Warcraft that being similar, like one person all of a sudden's level 30 and you're level 19 and now you can't really play together. And so it's almost best if you just agree, okay, we're only going to play if we all get on. But then when you do that, inevitably, you'll never get on. So right. there's no perfect system for it. But yeah, it definitely helps when everyone kind of levels together. All right, so moving on to our next story. Um, normally, I think we would jump into Dragon's Dogma 2. I want to make sure we leave plenty of time to talk about it. So let's, let's hold off until after our break. Let's jump into Avowed. So Avowed... I had listed as one of my most anticipated games of the year. I know you guys were very much into it as well. It is a game that just keeps growing in estimation every time I get more info. I've already said that on the show before. But PC Gamer ran an article that explains that Avowed has no class system at all. You're not picking like a fighter, archer, mage, or anything like that. Instead, it is inspired by Skyrim. You will be able to pick and choose any of the abilities that are available as you level up. 
along with your ability to respec. I personally love this news. I love when you can get a bit weird with your build outs and you can kind of just like make your own Frankenstein's monster through a skill tree. I think this is great news. It's just more stuff I love about Avowed. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, I freaking love Skyrim more than I should and I've bought more copies than I should. So I love the thought of the option to just have a heavy hammer or a heavy axe and you're bashing this guy and then boom, you pop to a fire blast and you just hit him. And that's the only one you've done in the sorcery kind of spec, but you know, you can do it. So not having a specific class-based character, you can kind of tinker with things and mess with what you want. Or sometimes I would have a heavy, heavy armor guy and then have healing, you know, you kick back to some healing. So I, I love the th- uh, thought of it just like you, Paul. So I'm, I'm super stoked. This game is definitely on my hype meter and it's growing and growing. Yeah, the the train is speeding up for me as well. I really enjoy the Skyrim method of leveling skills because you can play how you want to play and you don't get that FOMO, right? Like that's the thing with playing some builds. Like I remember in Diablo 4, you know, it was like, well, if I go down this path and I try this skill tree and these abilities, but now I have to pay to reset my you know, my skill tree or some games don't let you reset it. They're just like, dude, you committed to it. You're playing through like this. The beauty of this type of system is if I find a play style that resonates with me just naturally, I'm going to level those skills up just because I'm using them more often than other skills and having fun with them. So I actually enjoy that system because you just have to play the game the way you want to play it without too much forethought on builds and skill trees and things like that. Because a lot of times what happens is these games is it's too early. I I, like I'm an hour in and you're asking me to pick my path right now. And it's like, maybe I don't know what my path is yet. And so I do like this. The joke here is that I'm always going to wind up being like a stealth archer. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You know what I mean? Because it's like, well, that works really well. Um, So I'm I'm very curious to see how they pull it off. Is it going to feel just exactly like Skyrim did? Or are there going to maybe be a little bit more like modern tweaks and things like that? One of the things I read is that you will level up skills by just using them a la Skyrim, but there are still like skill trees that you can look at and kind of have an idea of where you might be able to go, which I think is a really nice hybrid of that. And we'll see how that's implemented and if you know it's actually true or not. But that, to me, is a perfect mesh of the two. It just makes perfect sense to level up an ability that you use. Like, I remember yeah. playing San Andreas with Ryan way back in the day, oh, and yeah. we'd be like... You got you to gotta pump iron and your guy would get bigger and you would ride the bike and your guy would gain skill into riding bikes. And, you know, next thing you know, your guy can go just as fast on a bike as in a car because you've spent the time working out on your bike. So I really love when games do that. I think it really just helps the immersion. Uh, I don't know about you guys. I feel extraordinarily confident about Avowed at this point. Yeah. I, I would actually be rather shocked if it's not a very, very good game. I feel like at minimum, it's going to be like an 85 on Metacritic, possibly higher. I think this one is looking really good. I mean, if this is a, I mean, this is by Obsidian, right? And so Obsidian's made Fallout New Vegas, Pillars of Eternity, um, Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic. I mean, they have a pedigree, the Outer Worlds. Like, 
they don't make bad games. They, yeah. That's the thing. They don't really make bad games. So, But we used to say that about Blizzard. I don't want to jinx <laughs> it. Oh, don't bring it up. I don't, don't want to jinx up. it. But if yeah. this comes out and this is, you know, Skyrim or Oblivion or Fallout or any of those games that Obsidian is known for, this is going to be a massive hit with gamers. Um, I don't really see them messing this up either, which I think is why all like the three of us collectively are kind of just getting more excited as we get closer to that because we feel like they know what they're doing. And if you give me a modern Skyrim, I mean, who doesn't want that, right? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, let's go ahead and take a short break and we'll come back and talk about Dragon's Dogma 2. All right, Dragon's Dogma 2, again, one of our picks for one of the most anticipated of the year. We have talked a lot about this game behind the scenes. We've covered it a couple times on the show. It is set to release on March 22nd, and this is kind of a two-part story that I want to get your guys' reactions to. First of all, the director of the game had some really interesting comments on fast travel and video games. Basically, in a nutshell, he said games over-rely on fast travel. And if travel in your game is boring, it's because you've made a boring game and you have not made travel interesting enough for gamers. So when I hear something like that from a director, I'm thinking, oh, they have really thought about this experience from the ground up that they're putting this much time into thinking about travel. They basically said, we have put real thought into the process where, yes, there are fast travel options, but it's incredibly expensive. It relies on a really rare material that you have to have. And then there are other options that are cheaper to do fast travel, but they all come with risk. So if you ride on a wooden cart you have to take whatever path they're taking. It doesn't necessarily go anywhere and maybe you get attacked and now you have to fight a Griffin on foot and now you have to run the rest of the way. And so they have in intentionally built travel to be risky and to be expensive to fast travel, but they have intentionally thrown so much stuff into the world that travel is going to be fun. I'm curious to hear your guys' take on that. Do you think he's right? Do you think that games rely too much on fast travel? And if you make it a good experience, running on foot could even be preferred? I I think that I love what he is saying, to be honest. Like, we talk about quality of life issues. We talk about, you know, I mean, it's been the last five years or a decade of remakes and remasters and things like that, right? And we always talk about quality of life stuff and bringing games into the modern age. The problem with that is, is that quality of life doesn't mean it needs to be easy or take less time. It just means that it needs to be accessible or not boring or, you know, something along those lines. And we have gotten into a world where everybody wants fast travel because I don't want to spend 20 minutes running across this giant map. But in a game like Dragon's Dogma 2, where you are living in this world and you want the escapism of this fantasy universe, traveling's dangerous, man. Like, I mean, go back to the days of World of Warcraft or EverQuest or any game that you want to pick out from 20 years ago and traveling... You were scared. You didn't know what you were going to come across. You, maybe you were going to die, you know, 15 minutes away from your bind point or something like that. I mean, it adds a certain flavor 
when you are just thrust out into the world. I'll use Skyrim again, right? What is one of the joys of Skyrim is sometimes you're wandering through the woods and you see some ruins or a cave entrance and you go, ooh, what's that over there? You know, and it's like you can go exploring and sometimes that exploring leads to great experiences. And if we take a page out of Starfield's book where all you ever had to do was fast travel, it makes it feel soulless to a lot of people at that point. And so I am a hundred percent behind exactly what he's saying in that if people only want fast travel, it's because you made it boring to get from point A to point B. If I know that every time I head out from point A to point B, that I risk some cool experience or a monster attacking me or a random encounter or something like that, that gives me immersion in the world that I want to be in. So I'm honestly all for it. Now, that said, big words. (laughs) And if traveling is boring, then guess what? I'm really going to be wishing for more fast travel options. But I think he's on the right track where he's saying it's because people don't like the world they're in. You don't want to spend the time walking back and forth. I I don't know. I, I understand what you're saying, but also I've used fast travel a whole heck of a lot in Skyrim. And another one that I've used it in quite a bit is Red Dead. But I also have gone along the path to where I need to go in Red Dead as well. I, oh, the one feature I love is a sim- cinematic mode. You can set your horse to run <laughs> and then yeah. just turn it cinematic and you can sit back and watch. If wolves come at you, uh, you can grab it and click and take over. Or if a bandit gang comes after you or bounty hunters, you can take over, but you still have that option to to move there faster You know, instead of using the fast travel. But I, I don't want to be limited to just having to run to each place every time. Because what if you go, you transfer all the way to this other spot, and you're like, oh, I forgot to get something there. You should be able to... I want to play the game how I want to play. Let me fast travel back, get what I need to get. If I want to go through the corridors and the pathways and the walkways or the the journey on that trail, I can do that. But if I want to just do it after I've unlocked it, then that should be my prerogative. I should be able to unlock that and then be able to fast travel where I want to go if if that's what I want. Hey, I only got 20 minutes to play. Let me shoot over this spot and do this quest real quick. You know, I don't want to have to run the whole time. And then, oh, I ran into a, a blockade. And now, oh, crap, I'm out of time. I just got to turn off the game anyway. So I, I get what he's saying. But I just like the option to play the game how, you know, how I want to play it as far as traversing through the map. So let me ask you a question, Ryan, because fast travel, they did say exists, but they said that it would be pricey. Like it's going to be expensive if you want that luxury. And you, you just went to Disney with your family. Oh, did you guys fly there or did you drive there? Oh, I drove. Okay. Yeah. So you, you, you went the slow travel route versus the really expensive luxury travel route. Well, um, a flight to California from Phoenix, Phoenix. is probably <laughs> roughly the same when you factor in driving to the airport, TSA. Your vehicle, yeah, I, I, TSA. But you understand my yeah. point, right? Is that I, I get that I get they're it. saying this is a luxury. And and again, if you use World of Warcraft or EverQuest or one of these MMOs where travel was legitimately an issue, oh yeah, you would have to pay a wizard to teleport you somewhere if you wanted to skip the run. Right. And so it like I I kind of support the it exists in the game, but it's a luxury 
versus like, you know, the only option available. So I like that idea. If I am lazy and I just want to save up some money so that I can get these fairy stones or whatever they call them to let me fast travel, maybe it's worth it to me. But if not, then I'm going to hoof it. But maybe that leads to some really cool experiences in the game as well. Maybe they'll have microtransactions where I can just buy fairy stones. Don't you put any ideas in their head, Ryan. <laughs> Don't you put that evil That's, on me, Ricky yeah. Bobby. Um, what do you think, I can't. Paul? I mean, I, 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 I'll tell you what I think. I can't believe we've been talking about fast travel for I 10 know. minutes. The, but we've said this about games like GTA, right? Arguably, the best parts of GTA is traversing the map. They got good radio. Yeah. When you have good radio and random encounters and ragdoll physics, you know, when you inevitably hit people or jump out of your car 200 <laughs> feet in the air after hitting a jump, that makes part of the game so much fun. And we've seen other games that are abysmal at travel. I think it's the first Mafia where if you like speed or oh, run red yeah. lights, like the cops will pull you over and it's like, okay, well, now this just sucks. So you know, there's pros and cons to fast travel, but if you can make travel work well, that to me makes a lot more sense. So kind of going into the second part of the story, IGN released their final preview of the game. And I think that they highlighted some of the ways that we're going to see travel be very interesting in the actual game. So for example, we've talked an awful lot about how you're running around with three AI controlled teammates. I believe that they call them pawns, yep. but when, when you're not playing your pawns can go off with other people who log into the game. And when you log in, you're going to be running with pawns from other players. And for example, they showed in this preview that if I, let's say Josh has played 20 hours and he's explored a lot of the map. I've only played 10 hours and maybe I join and I play online. One of Josh's pawns joins my group. Now, if I'm running in the world, he'll tell me, Oh, I've run through here before. There's a path over here to the West that um, leads to a, a cave. And so now I was like, oh, that's so clever. Yeah. I just have to like listen and pay attention. My pawns are going to teach me things that they've learned in their other playthroughs. Those are all ways to make travel fun and interesting. They, they talked about this too, that you don't just run into town and find all the people with a question mark or a exclamation mark above their head. People might run up to you and give you side quests or you just run around and start talking to people and it's going to lead to side quests. So I feel like they tried to not just do what's popular in games. It sounds to me like they just kind of thought from the ground up, how can we be as immersive as possible? How can we make every element interesting? And the more and more I see, the more and more I love. I, I feel like this game is definitely going to be game of the year potential. And I'm going to be so let down if it's not. <laughs> Yeah, I my hype. I initially because I didn't play the original Dragon's Dogma, I had very little interest in two other than that. When I watched the trailer, I went, oh, that looks really good. But the more that we dig in and the more that comes out about how they approach this game, the more excited I get because it really seems a lot more in depth. It really seems a lot more immersive than I think I was initially giving it credit for. Like it looked really cool to climb up this giant golem and stab him in the back with your guy and stuff. But you know, the, the, the pawn system and the fast travel versus the ox carts versus just hoofing it on foot. And the fact that, you know, you don't just have a map that's flooded with exclamation marks and that you just have to listen 
you know, to conversation of what's going on in the world around you, that's immersive, man. And in a fantasy realm like Dragon's Dogma 2, that's what I want. Like, I want, and that's why I like, I'll mention Skyrim once again, just because it's the topic of the show, but Skyrim gave you that immersion. You felt like you were in that world. And I feel like that we've sacrificed a little bit of that under the banner of quality of life, you know, stuff. And I, I you know, I, I think that there is a a nice happy medium there, but I really like what I'm seeing from this. And it's odd because this game was for me initially like, yeah, that looks good too. Like, I can't wait to dive into this. Yeah. It's definitely gone up the tier of the, you know, yeah. section. It's it's just like every time they release a little, little tidbit, you're like, oh, okay. Okay. Oh, oh. Okay. All right. And it yeah. just keeps getting more and more and more. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm with you, Paul, too, on the uh, hopefully, because if it's in the talks of game of the year, that means it's going to be a pretty dang good game. So I'm, I'm hoping <laughs> for that, praying for that. I'm, I'm super excited. So I, I think aside from, you know, maybe a fast travel issue that I, I personally may have, I'm excited. Oh, yeah. We're definitely rooting that this game will be great. The last thing I'll say is IGN also said that the world is incredibly big, but that it is very dense with content like for spoken gorgeous environments. The world felt dead. There was really not a lot to do in between points of interest. So it's a giant map filled with nothing. And this sounds like it's shaping up to be the exact opposite. Like if you're going to make a big map, that's great, but you have to fill it with fun stuff to do along the way. So the fact that they seem to understand that and focus on it, all great signs. We'll definitely be playing that one when it releases. All right. We do have two last stories to touch on here. Uh, guys, go ahead and put on your boxing gloves. We're going to talk about Ubisoft and skull and bones briefly. Oh boy, <laughs> They are both regular punching bags on, on this show. <laughs> skull and bones after so many delays is finally set to release on February 16th. That's literally right around the corner. And from February 8th to February 12th, there will be an open beta. Hmm. Do you guys plan on jumping in Hmm. to test it You mean right when Helldivers 2 releases? You mean right when one of the most highly anticipated games for a lot of people (laughs) is coming out? Man, it's almost like Skull and Bones is not really being very smart in their development and timing on a lot of things. It's It's... Which is shocking because it's run so well (laughs) up to this point for Skull and Bones. This is just another one of those, like, what are you doing? What are you thinking? I mean, I don't know, man. I don't want to just keep beating this game into the ground. I it's going to be fun for some people. We've never said that there's not going to be enjoyment to be had in skull and bones. I, I think we've always taken the stance that six to eight hours in it's going to just, the shine is going to tarnish and you're going to realize that this is not a gold bar. It's just a piece of lead with gold paint on it, you know? And, and I, I just, everything about this game and the development of this game has put me off Um, you know, the open beta is a good idea because it's saying, Hey, we want people to try this and hopefully like it, you know, but it's like, it's not, it's never been about the first four hours of this game. It's just that it's so shallow that there's, you're just going to hit a wall insanely fast. I think has always been our take on this. So 
Skull and Bones, we've kind of felt for a long time, is just DOA. It's just been too long. All the excitement is gone for, yeah. I think, just about everyone. They already had a closed beta. The reception seemed to be relatively mid, kind of like you can get a couple hours of fun, but then that's just kind of all it is. Now, in case you were worried that the beta only runs from the 8th to the 12th, and then the game releases on the 16th, Josh, if you sign back up for Ubisoft Plus, they oh. will give you three days of early access, and you can play all the way through. Whoa! You mean so if you if you want to play Skull and Bones over Helldivers Two, you'll be able to do it. I man, wow, they're really Tempting. desperate, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> all right, moving on to our last story of the week. Whenever Blizzard releases something new, we have to pay attention, right? Yeah. Blizzard's quality has un- undisputably tanked in the last couple of years, but you still have to pay attention for what they do. I mean, we've given a lot of flack to Overwatch 2 and Diablo Immortal, and deservedly so. But honestly, Overwatch 1 is not that far back. I mean, you're talking eight years ago, they released like the biggest game in the world for yeah, a while. Yeah. So we still have to pay attention. Six years ago, Blizzard started working on a survival game called Odyssey. We now know that that game has been canceled. It is done. It will not be released. This is extraordinarily crazy to me because, Josh, if you remember, we talked about this in April of 2023. Do you remember? And the word at the time is that the game was almost complete. And, and that was almost a year ago. Because we went, man, a Blizzard made survival game would be one of the greatest things I think I've ever seen. Now blizzard is on my naughty list. I'm not happy with them as developers and the way that that company has gone with how they treat gamers. Um, But there is no denying that blizzard makes insanely good fun video games. And so sometimes now, well, I mean, right. (laughs) Or I mean, honestly, they're more prone to just ruin the games that they already have is, is more the issue that I have, but yeah, we were insanely hyped for this. And then to find out that they're canceling it six years later, like do what everybody else does and just release it in early access, man. You know, I, <laughs> I mean, Blizzard would never <laughs> screw over gamers, man. They would never do that. Right? Like, like stealing Overwatch one away from us yeah, after we paid I mean, for it. Guys, I, that was all just a flash in the pan. It was, you know, an accident or something like that. They would never go that route where they're just trying to soak people for money. <laughs> Speaking so, of Overwatch like, one, imagine it, uh, you have the, uh, the hard copy and a guy comes in. Oh, no, no. You can't play that anymore. He just yeah. takes it away and is like, here, you can, you can play this, and, but it doesn't work. Oh, just, just play it. And then he just leaves. And you can pay us some more money. Yeah. If you you want. can pay more money if you want. Yeah. That's so stupid. Now, of course, famously, Blizzard was working on an MMO called Titan. That got scrapped. And from the ashes of that dumpster heap, we got Overwatch, where yep. they said, you know what? We have some stuff there. Let's make a brand new game out of it and make it like this, you know, hero shooter. And so it's entirely possible that Blizzard will still take assets and elements of Odyssey and build it into something else. We don't know. The larger story is that there have just been more and more layoffs. I mean, we're not covering it as news this week, but we saw once again, Microsoft is laying off uh, several hundred jobs. Several other gaming developers are as well. So I think part of it is just like 
cost analysis and overhead. And unfortunately, this has to get scrapped. If the game was truly almost done a year ago, I can't imagine how bad it must be for them to scrap it at this point because Overwatch 2 is a complete mess, but they're still making money hand over fist. And so they don't they don't have a problem with it. So the fact that they'll actually scrap this game does make me wonder how bad of shape it was really in. Yeah, yeah we don't know. I don't know that we'll ever know, to be honest. Um, it does make me sad. It, it, is it also because of like the release of Power World and Enshrouded and we're getting this insane <laughs> flood of these survival games? We got Nightingale yeah. coming up. Like, Did Blizzard just look and say, man, we missed the boat on this survival thing? So you know what? Scrap it. They had I love six the idea. years. Yeah, six years. I love the idea of Microsoft being scared of Hell world. Hey, <laughs> these five uh, dudes. I, just <laughs> made, if there's something that we have learned from Lethal Company and Pal World and Among Us, and I mean, think of it like all these games. Valheim was a huge success. You don't need 5,000 devs and $4 million billion to make a good quality video game. People just want to have fun, man. And if you can make a game that people enjoy and they have fun with, you don't need to overspend on that. Yeah. That's fun. Fun's the name of the game. That's why we play these games. But man, could you imagine being one of those developers that, you know, those employees that worked five, six years on that game and they're like, yeah, we're scrapping it. Oh, that would be <laughs> that tough, was your man. life's work for half yeah. a decade and it's just gone. Oh, oh and I'm, I'm I, sure you're like telling your friends like, yeah. hey, I can't share any details, yeah. but like. This game's really shaping up. Like, I can't wait till it comes out. I'm sure there are people who feel that way. Oh, you know, of they've course. poured their heart and soul into it. I would have really loved to see Blizzard's take on survival. Maybe they'll end up reworking a new survival game because that's honestly one of my favorite genres. I oh, love yeah. playing survival games. It always lends well to multiplayer. So I'm hoping this won't be the end. I, I would love to see Blizzard's take on on survival. All right. Well, that wraps up this week in gaming. As a reminder, please make sure to rate our show five stars and check out Patreon options at MultiplayerSquad.com. Thank you so much to everyone out there for listening. Until next time, happy gaming. See ya. All right. See everybody.